You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to season four of the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest this week is Chrissy McGarry. She is the COO of Second Front Systems, a national security software company. Chrissy has emerged as one of the few female leaders in the defense tech space. Her mission is to leave it better than she found it whatever that may be. And she is the proud wife to Matt and mom to Leo and Michael. Chrissy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura. Happy to be here. Now, what's your fun fact? Tell us a little fun something about yourself. My dream job was to be on Broadway. Nice. In what capacity, as if I have to ask? Well, I'd like to think of myself as a triple threat. I love to sing, dance, and act. Since I was a little girl, I was always involved in the arts, whether it was a school play, spring musical, singing the national anthem at Notre Dame sporting events. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah, you name it. I loved being on stage, playing different parts, having scripts, learning choreography. It was a fun thing for me to do. And what's been cool is I somehow had carried over that into the business world and doing what I do now. Okay, so I normally I don't ask this question, but I think I absolutely have to. How does an aspiring Broadway musical theater actress end up COO of a defense tech software company? I think I asked that question right, but somehow I can't believe it came out of my mouth. How does that happen? How does it happen? Well, I think first and foremost, my career trajectory started in sales. In marketing. Okay. So how I think those things carry over is you got to practice. You got to practice your pitch just as much as you practice your lines. And when you're standing up on stage, you're standing up in front of individuals who might be, you know, purchasing a product or a service from you. And sometimes you got to gauge the audience and how they're responding to the the tone or the inflections that you're putting into place um, when you're leaning in, when you're leaning out, when you're getting louder, when you're getting softer. So I guess it just naturally carried over and I recognized myself that I was pretty good at it and I enjoyed it. It was fun taking the time to go through my playbooks and learn how to adjust based on who I was performing for, who I was going up against. And not every performance is great and you learn from them. And then sometimes you get standing ovations and you close that deal. So I think I just naturally had some of these skills and it carried over and, you know, just been working on them time, time and time again. And then my external expertise started to take root as I transitioned from um, working at Salesforce into second front, I was able to focus more inwardly in the organization mm. um, and have a different group of customers, so to speak, right? The the investors, the the board members and the employees. So it's been neat to see it kind of evolve over time. Exactly. What an interesting evolution. And it just goes to show it really is more about transferable skills 
almost then, then of course, you need industry expertise to an extent. But boy, the transferable skills matter. Anybody out there who's in my spot with college age or almost college age kids at home and they're going, what should I study? You know, what what major? I, I keep telling my, my son's a junior now in college, please go just... I don't care what you study as long as it's the transferable skills. And here are the major buckets of those. You'll figure out right. what career yeah. fits you. I mean, I was a theology and gender studies major. So it somehow carried over. I, I always would <laughs> joke because I got into the liquor industry right out of college. Right. And I was like, well, you know, Jesus's first miracle was turning water into wine. <laughs> so I joke about that. And then from the beverage industry into tech, in good times and in bad, people are purchasing alcohol and technology. So the industries aren't really going anywhere. <laughs> no, that's that's for sure. There's longevity there for certain. Uh, and you just waited a little longer. I find most college kids end up getting into the liquor industry during college in one capacity or other. You waited to do it slightly more officially. But oh, my goodness. All right. Well, aside from all of that, now, of course, you are the chief operating officer with Second Front Systems. So what is your elevator pitch? So Second Front Systems is a national security software company. What does that mean? We're in defense tech space. What do we do? We accelerate the adoption of cutting edge software for the U.S. government and allies, users, and warfighters. That sounds, yeah, it's kind of important there. We want to make sure that the software is up to date. Let's get all those updates in place. Exactly. So we want to make sure through our platform, Game Warden, we are this third-party trusted third party that provides a distribution network for government secured applications. So we want to make sure that everything is being utilized at the DOD for our warfighters is secure, but we also want to help to accelerate to ensure that they're actually getting those best technologies in hand. What's something that you wish more people understood about either your role, your company, or your industry overall? Despite not having the traditional background, either in the mil- with the military or in the national security space, I am a national security professional and an executive now at Second Front. So again, not going through that traditional trajectory of either serving our country. And I have been able to hold my own, bring my commercial tech experience into a room full of decorated veterans and officers by speaking to the fresh viewpoints that I have from my private sector experience as a mom of two and continuing to challenge and enhance those status quos that otherwise might not be you know, poked at by an individual who's been living and breathing in that space for years on end. Okay, so I, I have to ask this because, you know, you mentioned the triple threat earlier of the singing, dancing, acting, which is the Broadway trifecta. And the challenge of being, do you encounter the challenge of being taken seriously initial? Do you find any initial friction as a young female, non-military person in an otherwise very male, very much more senior and very military dominated environment. It's almost like the anti-triple of whatever you would call it. So how do you handle that? How do you, what have you learned to do so that when you walk into a room full of people who are going to look at you and go, you look like my daughter, what, you know, <laughs> oh, she's in a sorority. For that one. Yeah. Good. Tell me. First and foremost, when I look at the table, right, figuratively or literally, One thing that I have been working on for years with mentors and conversations and experience, et cetera, when I recognize that there isn't an individual maybe like myself present, 
that gets me excited rather than frustrated or dumbfounded or you know angry about the fact that that's a missing layer component or additive functionality that should be there. Now, tell me how you get excited about that, because I would imagine that's very counterintuitive for a lot of people out there who'd be intimidated. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to put yourself out there to bring value and things to the table that you otherwise might not have the opportunity to do if you're in a space that you are comfortable in or have always been passionate about or whatever it might be. I mean, I've got I've got a story for just that. I know this might jump a little around, but I'll never forget when I was at, and this wasn't at Second Front, but when I was at Motorola getting into the tech space, still, you know, male dominant environment and the youngest one in the room, I'll never forget. I walked into the room and I brought my seasoned solution engineer with me and I had the subject matter expert for manufacturing at Motorola. He had 25 plus years experience. And we go into this meeting, there's about six or seven of us and we sit down and I made sure to sit at the head of the table because it was my meeting. I was running the show. I was so prepared. I had my team surrounded by me. And the first comment out of the man's mouth that was sitting across from me was like, oh, whose daughter are you? Nice. (laughs) That's subtle. Okay. So I stood up and I chuckled and I said, I know I'm young enough to be your daughter, but today I'm actually your account executive. And I brought and I just went right into the meeting. This is who I brought. This is what I'm here to do. I know you guys have been experiencing back and front end challenges with your devices and the softwares, et cetera. This is what we're coming to help solve for. And not that I glossed it over, I addressed it with humor, which is typically usually the route I go because it's the one I'm the most comfortable with. And then I kind of set it straight and then just get right, right to it. I I came prepared. I had my people with me. I was there for them. And I wasn't going to let some side remark um, or thought out remark, right? He probably didn't even realize what he was saying until after it was said to throw us off course. And what's the point, right? So, But it is through years of experiences like that, mustering up the courage to look at those things as opportunities to showcase the value that I have to bring to the table. So I think it's with that experience that was, you know, seven plus years prior to my time at Second Front, that when I do walk into a room of generals or colonels, uh, I try to remember that first situation. And I do have something to bring of value. And I am there out of, you know, curiosity and desire to help solve what I know are true and real problems. Yes. It's so important, A, that it doesn't, you didn't let it fluster you and you received it. You laughed it off and dismissed it easily and basically looked at him and said, I'm here. You're dealing with me. So you've got two choices. Deal with me or leave. And if he's there because he wants that business, he wants to do this deal, whatever it was, uh, you know, he could be absolutely ridiculous, get up and walk out or say, no, I want somebody older. Like, what, what would be the point? You're here. So, you know, Assuming that most people somewhere deep down have some semblance of rational thought and decision-making powers, you know, you charmed them at that point, not in the you know ridiculous sense of charming, but just you owned the room and you turned it around and I'm assuming you closed the deal. Yes? Yes. See, it's all a matter of space. It just, it's owning that space and saying, I'm here now. Let's do some work. I won't make you feel silly. Yeah, let's get to it. Exactly. Perfect. Oh, I love it. That's exciting. So terrific examples. Now, 
let's look at the, the flip side a little bit. Have What have you allowed yourself to be emotionally vulnerable with your team? And how did it impact your relationship with them moving forward? Yeah, one time I had to get real with my, my CRO. I didn't see or understand the larger dynamics at play in the market for us and what we were doing. And I think a part of it was because things were moving very quickly and him and his team are, you know, boots on the ground and and see things in real time versus I'm in the back, right? Trying to ensure, you know, the pipes are connected and the water's flowing and, and moving and grooving internally. So my insecurity was growing and I started to get a little bit more ashamed of what I didn't, what I knew I didn't know. And so I swallowed my pride and I just leveled with him and I asked him to write stuff out, to re-explain unpack things again and again. And then I had a hard ask. And I just said like, hey, I need you to commit to syncing with me regularly so that I can be up to date in a more real-time fashion about what you're experiencing out in the market at all the events, on your sales calls, the partnership meetings, the networking, because I'm not doing what you're doing you know, week over week. And if I need to continue to understand the larger dynamics at play while I'm diving into the details while also oscillating back outwards to help ensure that we're, you know, moving and grooving, um, I need to know the, I need to know, I need to be better, better aware. And how did he receive that? It was great. I mean, there's assumptions on both sides of what people think another should know or be aware of, so to speak. So you, you talk those things out, but through, you know, a conversation really, it was like a conversation or two, maybe I was able to kind of level and just ask like, Hey, I want to have this opportunity with you to ask more questions, get additional clarification. And like, he agrees to this. It's funny. I hope he listens to this and laughs. Like I (laughs) additionally poke too, because it's good for him to understand what he might not be explaining thoroughly or hasn't thought all the way through or needs to be maybe flipped on its head or thought about from a different perspective. So I do believe it's mutually beneficial. It's gotten to the point where we joke about, we need a vibe session called vibe sessions. Nice. Um, And they're not necessarily planned regularly, but I would say at least once a week, we are certainly connecting with each other and, and diving a little bit deeper. If not every morning, we call each other on car rides, whether it's driving to or from the gym, picking up the kids at school. Um, so that's usually when we we can tag up and you know update one another and give feedback or you know cross check on something. So right, right, ways to uh, to multitask and and use that net time, that no extra time time. You don't have to carve it out of your schedule. You're there anyway. A lot of people, I think, would be afraid to ask that question to say, look, I I, I need to sync with you regularly. I need you to start catching me up on this stuff. I need us to do X, Y, Z for fear of the other person fixating on your lack of knowledge. And I'll, I'll say whether or not you're fit for the role. This is where imposter syndrome comes in. So how did you deal with that imposter syndrome or the potential for that imposter complex to, to creep in or, or in his mind for that matter as well. How did you handle that? And why do you think that he was able to roll with it as well as he did if he, there was no, no speed bumps or potholes along that transition? It 1000% crept in and we, I mean, we addressed it in conversation. I think the, the leveling came from the mutual understanding that we have 
we both have the same desired goals and outcomes, right? We want to create highly productive teams and methods so that we have the best performance we could possibly have here at Second Front. And the way to do that is how do we continue to ensure that everyone feels invigorated and equipped to tackle and address all the issues that come up to either smooth things out, accelerate, heighten, I mean, you name it, right? So the cool thing there is we kind of oriented on knowing that we both want desire and are working towards the same thing. And yes, we might have different leadership styles and different ways of thinking and approaching stuff, but that doesn't make one better than the other. In fact, it's important to challenge one another and have those diverse perspectives and people who aren't necessarily agreeing all the time, but rather just challenging and not because just for the sake of challenging, while that sometimes is good, um, but to betterment of the individual for their personal and professional development and to really truly figure out and hack away at what is best for the organization at this point in time. Um, And what can we do with the information that we got to orient ourselves in a better position for the future, right? Because you can't you can't predict it, but you can somewhat orient yourself and plan in order to go in that direction. Yes, having some sort of contingency plan where you are in sync with the other person is certainly better than just winging it, to say the least. So what about a time when you needed to really assert yourself powerfully on the other end of that spectrum? Uh, you know, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? What reaction did you get? So I just told that story about walking into the room. I think another time... And this is cool because it was after the fact that I had addressed it. We were standing around at an event and an individual who knew my peer had said, oh my gosh, it's nice to finally meet Mrs. (laughs) So-and-so. And I chuckled and I, I looked at him to see what his response is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so neat. He handled it quite well. Journey said, oh no. And I joked, I go, he'd be so lucky. Uh, <laughs> and uh, again, so I use, I use the jest. He's mm-hmm. like, oh no, this is, this is the boss. And then we're kind of confused or like well what do you mean like isn't that funny like what do you mean she's the boss okay which word didn't you understand let me speak slower and louder for you she's the boss feel free to let me know which one you need me to translate it into what language and i love that deer in the headlights so how did you turn that around so he explained it and it was neat i mean i've had enough of those situations whether i'm being introduced on calls walking into meetings at events where i have now communicated with my team i can gauge the room and understand at what points in time or if we're in front of certain people where it might make more sense for them to introduce me over than myself and that, I mean, that takes some, you know, putting some of your pride and ego aside because you shouldn't have to. However, if you want to make the impact and bring the value that you know you can bring to the table when walking into those situations that you might be, you know, the outlier, so to speak, right? And it could be in any industry. It doesn't have to be with what I'm doing. There's actually sometimes more power in giving the power to your peers, And having them um, speak to who you are and what you do and why you're here, knowing that it might be better received or enable individuals to have a more open mind about you joining the team or being a part of the project or discussing the problem that's being solved for, whatever it might be, right? And it's been neat to kind of work with my team and figure it out. And, you know, before heading into calls or when we're 
um, in the middle of meetings. It's just, you know, nods or taps or quick Slack notes like, hey, do my intro for me, please. Yes. Um, you know, things like that. And I'm going to really run with that, frankly, because I'm going to encourage everybody out there. If you are in a situation where it's not just going to be, OK, everybody going around the table around Robin and introducing themselves, which is a little bit different. But if you're leading a, a talk, leading something else to have somebody else introduce you, there's always power in that. And that's part of why I, I don't, frankly, just pulling back the curtain and letting people look at, at our process as host of the show. I'm going to ask you for, I ask my guests to give me a couple points for the bio so that I can introduce them and I can get everybody excited about why I'm excited to have them on. Because I can say you're one of the top women in whatever it happens to be. And it's much easier for me to say that about somebody else than for me to say it about myself or for you to say it about yourself. If you say it about yourself, it sounds like you're bragging. If I say it about you, hey, I'm just super excited about who this awesome person is on the show. So for anybody else out there, yes, get someone else to do your intro for you and tell them what to say or work with them collectively to decide. Don't just leave it to them. I have made that mistake. Oh gosh, somebody, I was uh, speaking at an event, not to make the show about me, but just, it was painful. So I'm sharing it. I was the speaker at an event and the MC hadn't asked me for any intro. And this is before I knew to provide it. And he just went to my website, pulled my entire about page off my website and read the whole thing. Like four and a half minutes later, it was going through my, like, and she did her master's degree at the, in, in Los Angeles where she taught. I'm going, oh my God, like I wanted to shoot myself by the end and I couldn't believe there were some people who were in their seats and conscious at the same time. It was like, oh, I, please don't throw tomatoes or something before I even get on there. So yes, give the other person, don't leave it to their imagination. So thank you for that little PSA opportunity, Chrissy. Yes, let's get other people to do introductions because then there's no question. Here's the boss. Don't ask whose daughter she is or whose wife she is or whose mother she is. It's just not relevant. Amazing the things we still have to deal with in today's day and age. So with that, let's challenge others. We just gave a lot of advice, but now let's challenge people directly. It's time for the influence challenge of the day. How would you like to challenge our audience to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence? How would you like to challenge them today? I would like to challenge everyone to go on Amazon because everyone knows how to do that and it's easy <laughs> to do and type in the book, Exactly What to Say by Phil M. Jones and purchase it either Audible or purchase it to buy. And within 24 hours, I'm sure it will be delivered on your doorstep or you will be able to download it right then and there. But as we were talking, Laura, here and now, and as I know you say across the podcast, words matter. Yes. And how we phrase and sequence has impact psychologically for how we're communicating with one another and how we are influencing one another. And he just does a fantastic job of breaking down quick tips and tricks and gives a little bit of background on the why or the method rather behind it. And it's something that you can easily apply in any type of relationship, right? Marital, child, parent, friendships, and professional. So work. Yes. So the, the book again is called Exactly What to Say by Phil M. Jones. And the 24-hour part of it can simply be in the next 24 hours, go order it. There you go. And I, I do own a copy of it myself. It is not a book that you need to read cover to cover. It's not a workbook. It's like each page is a different scenario. And here's a phrase to use in this case. Here's a phrase to use in this case. So it, it's a nice little quick thumb through resource. Exactly. Nice. Okay. 
Well, now, what about nerves? So we've shown, we've, we've talked about a bunch of places where you have just gone with the flow. You've handled everything perfectly, no matter what was thrown at you. You managed to deflect it and just laugh it off and suddenly have everybody eating out of the palm of your hand. But I'm betting at some point in your career, nerves kicked in at one point or other. So what's the most nervous that you ever felt before a presentation or a speaking engagement? And what lesson did you learn from the experience? So you're going to laugh about this one. It is reading the Pout Pout Fish to my son's uh, pre-K <laughs> class. That is another wonderful book. Okay. So you have two 24-hour challenges out there. If you are a parent or a grandparent or an aunt, uncle, cousin to any young child, I love the Pout Pout Fish. I don't remember who the author is, but it's so cute. You have to order the Pout Pout Fish. Yes. Okay. So go on. So I know it sounds crazy, but I joke about this all the time. Negotiating and getting the attention of four-year-olds is far more challenging than that of tech executives. <laughs> like full stop. So yes. I, I love practicing with Leo on certain things because if I can get him to pay attention and, and follow, you know, it's a bit of success, obviously, from a parenting standpoint, but also in, okay, did I break this down well enough for a child to understand this? Also, there's the desire of wanting to have Leo think that I'm like the coolest mom and be proud that I'm coming into this classroom and reading a book that every one of his friends will, will enjoy. So um, some of the things I did, I, I did practice a few nights in a row with him and Michael. And Michael's my 21-month-old. Um, and I made some movements to get them engaged physically. I was testing out different voices and tones and inflections to see, you know, their eyes widen, their smiles grow bigger or to, you know, bring them to their toes. So I guess the, the major thing here is I was very deliberate in how I wanted to communicate and practice with them. And it's not just in the bounds of your professional work life where you practice these things, right? In fact, you could probably argue, at least I would hear, that mastering it and working at it at home, in your marriage, as a parent, is maybe a really good and safe place to start, um, mainly because it's a little less risky if you flub up. And it's also a way to get, you know, real feedback um, that is rooted in love. So <laughs> it most certainly is. And honestly, I think it's it's another great example because when I'm coaching executives, there are a number of people that I work with who are part of what they want to get better at is learning to be more dynamic as speakers, to have more inflection, or a little flat line or a little kind of reserved energy and the need to have a, a greater presence in whatever their speaking space may be. And one of the things for those who are parents or grandparents, there are children's books that I recommend. Uh, another series that's a lot of fun for those of you out there who are looking for resources, Mo Willems, anything by Mo Willems, uh, whether it's the pigeon books or elephant and piggy books, those kinds of things are fabulous for dynamics in voice and energy and emotion. And of course, they're, they're children's stories with very melodramatic characters. And there's lots of hints about how to do the voices when the font is really big, your voice should be bigger, your pitch should be higher, those kinds of things. So, and it's just fun and it's silly. Pretty recently, actually, I recommended that and he read it to his four-year-old and his wife took a video and they sent me the video of him reading this story. And it was great to see this great big guy with this deep voice and who's otherwise very reserved going, yay, and okay, the voices bounce. I burst out laughing and it was like, okay, see, so you do have it in you. Clearly it's there. We just need to learn to find something between, okay, we're a total monotone and yay, way up here. Somewhere between the 0.5 and the 11 is 
the rest of your range. Now let's put it into action. Yes, great examples. I love it. Lots of fun. All right, real quick. Let's see. The We all have someone from whom we'd love to ask for something. So whether it's advice, support, an opportunity, or just to meet for coffee maybe and get to know each other, but we haven't worked up the courage to make the ask. What's the time you really wanted to make the ask, but were afraid to do so? And how did you finally decide to pull the trigger and how did it go? Yeah. So there was a woman, um, the former CEO of Equinox, who I had been following for a few years. I used to be a workout instructor for mm. Equinox. And I had just been following her on Instagram and LinkedIn. And I loved how she regularly posted personal and professional. She too has two boys and was you know, leading a large, successful organization. And I just followed her through the years and liked her posts, maybe commented on a few things, any suggestions of podcasts or articles um, to listen to or read. I, I did it and finally mustered up the courage to ask to get time with her. And it was a, it was a hard ask. I threw it in the LinkedIn DMs <laughs> and I had it oriented around two reasons why I was reaching out to her. Um, one, because she was a mom and two boys, just like me. And I, I want to know if she's got any personal tips and tricks on how she she managed that while also managing a successful career trajectory. And then secondly, you know, being a CEO of an organization. And if she would have the chance to go back and tell her younger self, hey, make sure to do this, that, and the other thing, or avoid this, that, and the other thing, um, do it here and now and, and just trust me. I love reaching out to individuals who have gone before me and having those types of conversations. So I went for it. I shot out the DM in LinkedIn and within 20 minutes, she shot back her phone number and we got on the phone and every now and then we, we text and set up calls. And it's been, it's been really cool to develop a little bit of a relationship with an individual who, you know, I had only met once very briefly at an Equinox grand opening in Bloomfield House, Michigan years ago. So yeah, I think it was, I decided to do it because I, I prepped myself. I, I worked up the courage slowly by gathering the information and figuring out what the exact ask was and, and what might be in it for, for her, so to speak. So yeah. And what was in it for her? That's, that's an interesting way to look at it. So not just that you're asking for something, but what's in it for her? How did you, what did you come up with? I could tell by just her persona online that she was obviously a caring, loving woman with two boys, right? She talked about her family regularly and um, making the time to be present for what they had going on in their lives, going on vacations, et cetera. While also, I mean, individuals don't post stuff about, you know, growing organizations or culture or, you know, she had posted an article about the importance of the COO role and the, the common mis misconceptions unless they wanted to continue to discuss those things and give their perspective and point of view. And so, if I could come in and show how how we relate and that she is in fact someone who's come before me, but in turn could maybe continue to pay it forward, you know, I'm the next best person in line for that. And that was kind <laughs> of like my case, right? I mean, and I and I do feel people do genuinely like to do that if they are true leaders, right? It's how how do you continue to influence um not just your sphere that you run and operate in day in and day out, but maybe beyond, right? I mean, it's why you have your podcast and why I'm joining here today, even if it's just one person that might gain something or find something to be a little bit of a golden nugget, then then it's worth it, right? Yes. And the beauty is it's always more than one. 
you may think, okay, it's only the one, but there's always more than one because you help. Well, and even if one person that you're speaking to directly, they're going to take that information and share it with somebody else directly or indirectly now or later. So there is always that multiplier effect, which is really beautiful. So we started with a fun fact. We're going to end with something fun. What's something you do to create a little bit more fun for your team? So two things. One thing that's regular, uh, we do walk and talks. We've got one rule on the team bi-weekly. We go away from our computers, get on the phone with one another and walk outside. And well, we have two rules. You got to walk and we're not allowed to talk about work. Mm. And it's just an opportunity to get to know each other. And it's cool. I mean, the conversations go in a lot of different places, whether it's where are you going on your next vacation? What foods do you like? What are your pet's names? You know, if you could you know, go anywhere tomorrow, all expenses paid, where is it? So we, we try to think of fun activities and breaking the ice and just getting to know each other, despite the fact that we're not going into an office, right? We're a fully remote company. And then secondly, we have company onsites annually. And I always try to think of a way of how do we get the team to bond either on something that's already kind of percolated uh, as a, a cultural thing or um, just getting to know each other. So it was neat. Our first onsite. I, I think it's funny. One. I want to point out that the distinction there because traditionally companies have tried to figure out ways to do a company offsite. Offsite. Because everybody comes in. Right. Because everybody's working from home now. So it's not about getting out of the office to connect with people. Now it's like, we got to come into the office. We got to come in. To connect yeah, with we got to come okay. onsite together. Right. So company onsite. Go on. So we have a company onsite and I gave everyone a $300 gift card to Sunglass Hut. And so we took a little field trip to Sunglass Hut where everyone got to go try on shades with one another. And it was so fun and funny because people's personalities were coming out, the the crazy sunglasses. Some people were buying, you know, pairs for families. Others were like, I'm buying these designer shades because I never would otherwise. Yep. Um, and it was just fun. Music was popping. People were taking selfies, FaceTiming family members. It was just a ball. We had such a good time. So every time we have an onsite, I try to think of an activity like that or something that kind of helps to break the ice, brings people out of their shell, but kind of forces a little bit of that that family fun mentality and getting to know one another. I love it. And maybe if for anybody out there, perhaps if you don't have gift certificates to Sunglass Hut to give out to each other, you could at least warm up in your next virtual meeting with sunglasses. So everybody's got to bring their favorite or bring their kids sunglasses, bring something. And on the count of three, one, two, three, everybody put on your shades and just see what kind of stuff comes out. Who's got the blades? Who's got the wayfarers? Who's got the, who's doing the risky business thing? Who's got all sorts of googly eyes and bizarre things. So uh, I like sunglasses. That's a fun icebreaker. I'm going to steal that and use it another time. So Chrissy, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today. How can people learn more about you and Second Front Systems? Well, you can go to secondfront.com, of course. You can also follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Medium. So Chrissy Clower McGarry, and you can find me there. And if you'd like to continue the conversations, I'd like to just offer, you know, throw a DM at me through LinkedIn or, or Instagram. I'll respond and let's continue these conversations because they're fruitful and um, meaningful, at least they are for me. And I'm just so grateful for this opportunity, Laura. Love it. You've given us so much great information today. It has really been a pleasure. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And to everybody else out there, of course, thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode if you haven't done so yet. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your platform of choice so we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, 
and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.